You're in a Fenestration Conversation, where Canada's window and door industry talks about the things that matter to our businesses. Now here's your host, Patrick Flannery. Hi, everyone. I'm Pat Flannery. Today, I spoke with Gord Cook from Building Knowledge. Building Knowledge is an Ontario-based construction and building sciences consultant that does work across Canada and in the U.S., uh, as you'll hear, Gord is a wealth of knowledge about really all elements of building science. Uh, but in this discussion, we focus on the coming wave of net zero and energy efficiency standards that uh, will become really a permanent part of all our businesses um, for the next decade, over the next decade, and going forward after that, no doubt. Uh, Gord tells us what is coming and uh, about the changes that this is likely to make in our products and our designs. Uh, he dispels the myth that net zero construction has to be more expensive uh, for the contractor or the project owner, which was uh, a bit of a surprise to me. Uh, we discussed some approaches for the discussions that we're all going to be having with uh, customers about how to uh, sell these products, how to sell these designs, and uh, how to uh, overcome some of the common objections uh, that you get in the Canadian market to energy efficient uh, sales. Um, we also uh, get into uh, a little bit of the technology and, uh, and some of the different uh, 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 building approaches that might be taken to, uh, to uh, address some of the, uh, the tougher, thornier issues that uh, some of the new net zero standards might pose. So I found this conversation uh, very enlightening, surprising at times, and I hope you will too. Uh, now here's Gord Cook from Building Knowledge. All right, Gord Cook from Building Knowledge. Thanks a lot for joining us today. How are you doing? Uh, thank you, Patrick. I'm doing fine. Uh, thanks for having me. This is yeah, wonderful. Yeah. No, I. You know what? Uh, I've uh, I've I've heard some of your stuff that you've done with Fenestration Canada and uh, and 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 other things around the around the industry. Know you guys uh, are are heavily involved in uh, all, all matters of, of building science and 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 certification and uh, and and consultation. Um, why don't you, uh, I guess, start us off by uh, telling us a little bit about yourself, about building knowledge, and uh, and what you guys are up to. What's your what's your focus? Sure. Thanks very much. You know, I would start the story with you know, as a young engineer, I met up with a company that was building and making something called a heat recovery ventilator. That was back in 1984. And if I said to you, do you know what that is? And you'd say, well, I know what it is now, but I don't know if I would have known what it was in '84. And and it was this fledgling little product that you know was going into the R2000 program, which Canada was uh, developing at that time. And ultimately, that was out west, and I wanted to move back to Ontario, and I became the sales rep for for the HRV company. And I've, I soon figured out that builders didn't know what it was or what it did or why they might need it. And as a result of that, I got found myself getting into a lot of education and training just so people could understand what the product was about. That education and training led to builders would say, well, why do I need this? I'd say, because you're building tight houses. They would say, am I? I said, I don't really know. So I bought a blow door, started testing houses. And the testing side of it became as big as the sales side of it. And so about 12 years ago, we formed Building Knowledge Canada with a, a few great partners of mine I'm so pleased to be working with. And in our role, we, we like to say in a nutshell, is just to help builders build better houses, to help 
empower them to make better decisions with respect to energy, the environment, uh, carbon reduction, whatever's on their mind. And, you know, I find the building industry is, is, is been a really nice industry to work with. They're great folks who um, obviously sometimes make mistakes, but that's not the point. They, they, I, I say to them, you know, whatever you're building now is great, but what are you going to be building in three years? And they go, oh, yeah, I, give, I see where you're going. We should always be trying to improve. And they get that right away. So what we try to, and obviously in our little niche of, let's call it performance, energy, you know, we would say air, heat, moisture flow, comfort, durability, energy efficiency, that's what we try to help with. And sometimes that means a program, Energy Star, or Lead, or Passive, and sometimes it just means help me improve technically what products should I be choosing, um, what could my trades be doing better. So that's that's what we try to do, and we're fortunate to have 60 or 70 really good builder clients from big to small um, in the GTA, I'd say Southwest Ontario, Southern Ontario, that um, seem we seem to find a good partnership with. They, they want to improve, and we want to help them improve. Awesome. Awesome. And, you know, so, so there you go. Your, your, your roots go right back to, to R2000 and, uh, and, 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 and the eighties. Uh, I, I remember the discussions, uh, uh, back in the, well, I guess it was closer to the early nineties before I became conscious of much of that. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the, the talk about, uh, well, it's a, it's a great house. It's energy efficient, but you can't breathe. There's no, <laughs> there's no air coming in. And, uh, and, uh, so, so I guess, I guess the question to, to, to move it forward to today, you know, obviously the idea of building uh, energy efficient, tighter homes, even even almost to a passive house type of idea it is not a new thing. It's been going on since, you know, back in Saskatchewan in the earliest days. And, uh, and uh, uh, but now there's a special urgency, right? I mean, uh, I mean, uh, tell, tell us a bit about, about what's on the horizon and what's coming that's really driving the, 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 the level of interest now, obviously, you know, we're going to the Paris Climate Accords and, and everything that the government is doing. What are, what are, what's the, what's the thrust there? Yeah, it is interesting. And I, I'll go back really quickly before I go forward. All of the work that's being done um, in, I would say, in housing around the world is really consistent with the research that was done by Canada in, in the early 70s that culminated in R2000, which was a technology transfer program that now is becoming, I would say, codified or standardized. And But what's really powerful is in the last five years, this notion that we're close enough, we're a hop, skip, and a jump, maybe even a hop, skip, skip away from being able to, on a consistent basis, deliver zero energy houses. That is, houses that only produce, only use as much energy as they're able to produce themselves on site. So now that we, you know, for years we've been seeing that bar way up there and going, we can never get there. There's been this slow progression in code, manufacturers coming to the table, including window manufacturers, right? Low E coatings, argon gas filled, insulated spacers. Hey, we can do that. Then spectrally selective coatings, even better coatings that help manage in a very cost-effective way. So the window guys get on board. The the insulation companies go, hey, we can do that. The mechanical guys, yeah, we got some. And now we're this, I show it to builders and they go, oh, so it's not a question of if we're going to be doing this. It's a question of when. And it's not as far away as we thought it was. And in if you look at well, it was really posited by Ed Mazaria, American Institute of Architects, who said by the year 2030, the 2030 challenge, AIA, 2030 challenge, it shall be possible to build any building, not just houses, any building to a zero energy standard that is only as much energy as it as it produces by 2030. And that was a notional goal 10 years ago. And now it's at a point where builders are going, I think I can get there. 
can't I? Can I get there? So that's the notional goal. Superimpose on that, Patrick, though, people are now going, well, that's just the energy equation. We should also ramp up the total carbon equation, embodied carbon, operational carbon, because energy is really an operational, excuse me, operational carbon. We should really be thinking about total carbon. All right, and that creates a little more complexity, but this, I think the really cool part is this really good understanding by code authorities and others that we're going to take this progressive step forward every three to five years, improve the performance by 10 to 15 percent, and magically by 2030, 2035, we'll be at zero energy or net zero energy in Canada. Right, right. And obviously, in order for the in order for the building to, uh, uh, you know, achieve this, it has to be producing some energy. Uh, so we're, but, but I mean, I think the standard right is basically net zero ready, right? So yeah, it's so, a great, it's a great thought. The definition of zero, what does that mean? Is that just the house itself? Is that the lights and the appliances? Is that the showers? Is that the swimming pool out the back? So one really cool thing, CHBA, Canadian Home Association did said, they kind of stood up and said, hey, hey, we got you. We're going to create a definition and people could argue with that definition, but here's what we're going to say. We're going to say a house that's designed, modeled and constructed to on average over the course of the year only use as much energy as it's able to produce itself on site. So two things. If somebody has three big screen TVs, eh, we didn't put that in the model. We put in the average uses. And you can't go buy a wind farm off Nantucket and say, yeah, I'm going to, no, it's got to be on site. So they did a nice job. And then the same is going to happen with carbon. Which, what What's reasonable for a builder to be responsible? Your window members and, and your contractors are all going to have to think about, so when I drive my truck to site, is that part of the carbon? Yeah. Yep. The window manufacturer, hey, we're going to build one plant, have one plant, and we're going to ship all across the world. Do I have to count for the boat? Yep. Under under embodied carbon, I do. So somebody's going to have to work out those definitions. But I'm really happy with CHBA's definition. I think they'd be the first to say, hey, it's a good start, and let's work towards that. And then by and, – and it does include some generation. So your concept of ready is the idea that as a builder – I will do what I can do, and then I'll leave it up to the homeowner to decide, A, I either need to make, need to make lifestyle changes, shorter showers or something, or I need to generate some some power. And so that's what we mean by ready. Builder, mechanicals, building itself is all ready to accept solar and a reasonable amount of solar on the roof, because that's the metric, right? How much solar would I need? If I need a, a yard full of solar, that's not fair to call that net zero ready, right? I, it would have to be a reasonable number of solar panels. And we typically say the roof itself, or maybe the roof plus the garage is, is what you need to get to. And, and and on that, I I, I want to get to it just because it's 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 coming up naturally here. Um, um, do the embodied the embodied carbon in a in a way can how should I put this? The word isn't mitigate, but it's it, it's almost it's almost like there's a, it's almost like there, there there are a little bit there can be competing areas there with the with the energy saving aspect of it, right? Like if you if sure. you're, you're saving a lot on the embodied carbon side. You 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 could be a little worse on the on the on the energy side. Obviously, you want to be as good as you can on everything, but 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 there's 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 there there are kind of competing aspects there to it, aren't there? 
Well, sure. Let's let's do for windows, for example. By all means, if you wanted to save the most energy, you'd put three or four or five panes of glass. Right. But then right. somebody's going to say, wait a minute, how much energy did it take to create that glass and ship that glass and the weight of that glass and so on? So there's that sweet spot. And that's why energy modeling works. That's why, you know, we've been using Hot 2000, for example. There's other software programs that at least does the sweet spot of carbon, sorry, of, of energy, solar panels versus versus insulation. I, mean, I use this metric all the time. Put in triple glazed windows, that's the equivalent of, of avoiding having to put on six solar panels. Oh, okay, so people say, well, triples are expensive, not compared to the cost of solar panels in that. So let's do triples, similarity with air tightness. I can make a house really airtight for about 2,000 bucks, and it saves 11 solar panels. I guess I should make that house airtight. It doesn't make sense to to not spend the two thousand and then have to spend all that energy down the road. So yes, finding that sweet spot. And of course, there's going to be argument arguments about the sweet spot. Well, you didn't include this. You didn't include that. Fair enough. I don't mind that argument as long as we're all moving forward, saying, and we can refine the models as as we go forward. But the idea of finding the sweet spot is really where we're at. Yeah, there's a lot of learning to go on there for sure. I think as we as we go along and, and people find you know those sweet spots and the equilibrium points and the best you know the best trade offs uh, as we go along. So moving moving I, I guess moving into cost a little bit. I mean I'll I'll, I'll just throw this out there that the big the big uh, uh, barrier to market uptake of uh, of more energy efficient buildings over the over the years has been just a, basically a straight ROI calculation on the on the part of homeowners, right? I mean, uh, we we have relatively cheap energy in Canada, uh, or have had, I guess, relative certainly to Europe, uh, and uh, and and people have often looked at these things and said, well, I don't, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna spend the extra whatever it is sticker price on more insulation on uh, on 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 triple pane windows, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because I, I'm not going to see the cost out the other end. Is that calculation changing, Gord? Is some of the new technologies you're talking about, do you feel like it, we're getting to a point where the ROI is going to make sense? Yeah, I would say it two ways. One, the ROI does get better, of course, has products. I'll take the HRV, for example. The price of an HRV today is half the price of the HRV in 1986, right, for a house. You go, wow, so that's got to be way more cost effective. Of course it is. But here's the fallacy to that. We have saddled ourselves with this ROI. The minute we say energy efficiency, somebody wants to see the payback, the payback. Sorry, we don't buy products based on payback. We don't buy houses on payback. Why do we saddle this idea of payback? There's lots of reasons people buy a big screen TV. Not one of them is the payback of the big screen TV. How else does it, I spend a lot of my time, Patrick, helping with this. How does it improve your life? How would this house improve your life? Oh, that makes sense. And if in fact it was about the money, we would have been doing this years ago because the minute interest rates went below 7%, which is what, 15 years ago now? Every energy efficiency decision is better than keeping your money in the bank. If you really did the math, you could keep the money. I've done this math so many times with friends and family. If you wanted, let's say, let's say it costs to do a net zero ready house, 20 grand. It's not that much, but let's say it's 20 grand, a typical house in Canada, 20 grand. Okay, the current cost of borrowing, that, that if you left that money, sorry, in the bank at 20,000, at interest rates of 2%, what are you earning? Uh, $400 a year. 
good investment. But take that 20 grand, put it into your house. Now how much are you saving? You're saving $1,000 a year. Oh, would you rather get $400 or get $1,000? I'd rather get the $1,000. Then why don't you do it? Well, I don't want to take the money out of the bank. Why not? Well, I just, I just don't believe it. I just don't know. It's too new. It's this. It's that. I put the money. Fair enough. Then borrow the money. And if you borrow the money at twenty grand and at 4% interest or 3%, that's about 3 to $4 per thousand per month. That still saves you more. So I'm saying to you, I've been doing this a long time. We make this mistake all the time. Contractors, window manufacturers, everybody. Well, the payback is just not there. Stop talking about the payback. If it is there, the ROI is there. But fundamentally, people do not buy products. The only products they buy on return on investment, mutual funds. Right. You know, and, and so, okay, I, and even then they buy them basically out of emotion and i'll say it this way people buy on emotion and justify on facts and that's why the stock market does really well because people say they're going to buy on facts but they actually buy on emotion yeah and, and then we see the stock prices right i shouldn't get into the financial side but i'm going to say to everybody on this call stop trying to sell this on its energy efficiency alone sell it on how it'll improve their lives and then at the end and say oh by the way it happens to be a really good investment really i get all that and people say well so what are you talking about well let's talk windows as an example windows and air tightness are two really good ones exactly how many holes would you like there to be in your wall or attic your house well none right so how airtight would you want your house to be really airtight because what will come in with unwanted holes well dust and pollen and noise and the leaf blower noise on saturday morning and the and the bugs and the mice and so on right that's why you want to make a house tight is because you don't want any dust bugs mice noise in your houses oh and by the way it happens to save a lot of money let's let's go to better windows why would you want better windows? Well, um, you know, I'll, I'll give you the example. My mom and dad, I grew up in a house, six kids. My mom and dad had a house that was about 1,500 square feet. And one of the nicest rooms in the house was the dining room. And the dining room had this beautiful view of the back 40, you know, overlooked and so on. But unfortunately, you couldn't really use it as a dining room because it faced west and it was single glazed windows. And you basically had to put on suntan lotion and sit in bathing suits to enjoy the dining room. So to my mom and dad, you wouldn't say, oh, this window will save you money. You would say, this means you get about 200 of the nicest square feet of your house back and you get to use it for what it was intended to be used for. So think about problems, the problems. And all contractors, manufacturers, think about all the problems you can solve for people. Now, it takes some work is the problem because ROI you can do on paper and you could put on spreadsheets and calculators on the website and all that stuff. The problems people have in their lives, that's a more intimate conversation. That's something I got to do when I'm talking in front of somebody and I have to ask them the right questions about what problems are you having? And I wonder if we can solve those problems for you. Man, I, I, okay, I'm, I'm I'm selling this video. I'm selling this recording to Anarchan after we're done. <laughs> they should be having you selling their 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 whole program. Across well, they the do actually. From time to time, from time to time, they have had me do some sales training. And this isn't me saying this. This is the best salespeople, Suzanne Shelton, the Shelton Group. She has all of this same information. Uh, look her up. There's all kinds of great folks been doing this for years. Great builders uh, that that do a nice job of this. That I work with Doug Terry down in. Say Thomas, uh, 
Tim O'Brien homes in Wisconsin, Thrive Communities in Denver, they get this stuff and they recognize that this is about building houses that improve people's lives. Oh, and by the way, it's also energy efficient. Yeah. So, well, I, I, I think you've kind of answered the question and, 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 and sort of the big, you know, the, the, the big hook that, that, that got me interested to have you on was, was, you know, this idea of, of do the net zero constructions have to cost more is, is, is the sticker price going to, you know, I, I mean, for better or worse, the sticker price is always going to influence people. Is it, is it always going to have to be more or, or are there, are there ways, it sounds like you've figured out some ways that, that, um, not just the, like the windows and the doors and then and then even the whole building can be done at close to the same cost if i'm right uh as 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 i guess our older our older or more traditional uh ways of slapping up uh, uh track housing and 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 doing renovations what 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 have you found out over the years on that yeah, so so the I'll say the short and long answer is this. If you take into account the total cost of ownership of a house, right. principal, interest, taxes, mortgage, and so on, and heating bills, then the short answer is yes. The longer answer is the sticker price is going to go up right. in the range of, well, we know builders are doing net zero ready for as little as $8,000, and some it's $20,000, $25,000. So let's say it's ten dollars to $20,000 net zero ready. But again, I will say to you, many of the things on that list, one, the price are coming down, many of the things on those lists, people value and would want in their home anyway. And then I would say to you, look at what's happened to the price of houses anyway. Heck, the price of houses in most of the markets in Ontario has gone up for no other reason than the price just goes up, land prices go up. It's gone up by about, I'm going to say $5,000 every six months anyway so I, I say this to builders all the time if you raised your price by twenty thousand dollars do you think you'd sell any less houses and you, for the last five years you'd have to say no we're going to do just fine we're going to be able to sell it and you know I, we had a great builder his name's gene myers from thrive communities up in denver down in denver he came up to canada to speak to a group of our builders and he used that nice phrase he said you know i know i can sell houses without this stuff but he said it's more fun to sell it with. Yeah. My homeowners love it. My people love it. We feel better about what we're doing. And we sell exactly the same 280 houses a year that we've been selling. So not every builder should or could do this, but any builder who, who feels like, I would like to build a better performing house that I feel better about, that I know is gonna be the way houses are gonna be built in five years anyway. That's the way I always like to say it. You're gonna be doing this anyway. So would you like to do it now when you have the choice? Or would you like to do it when you're forced to do it five years from now? And can you make the statement? It's not the same cost, but what we spend a lot of time you know, Andy, my partner, and Angela, and Rob, and all the folks at Building Knowledge, we spent a lot of time helping builders find what's cost effective for them, right? What, what, and there are synergies. Boy, if I do a little better job on windows, I, my mechanical system gets a little smaller, and I have fewer callbacks, fewer condensation issues, I don't have fading of carpet, so I get a little less warranty. So there are things that, that are trade-offs. I, I would be the first to say it's not zero cost, but it's close enough that it's it's a it's it's a, a very I'm going to say cost effective to be able to sell to folks. And with with like you say, with interest rates the way they are, and, and right. thinking now of renovations and the ability to just throw lines of credit at your mortgage rate, you know, in, in, into your house and no questions asked. And and with and with housing demand the way it is, where uh, I'm not sure what you'd have to charge for a house to not sell it. Uh, right. 
I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, these these issues, a lot of them just sort of. And, and we find, you know, contractors and then manufacturers, or we find them. My experience has been they're out on site making making value judgments for consumers and saying, well, this won't be worth it. And, and again, I use examples all the time. My my son just bought a, a really old home that needs all kinds of work. And he needed four new windows, like right off the bat, they're broken. So he went out and got a, pr a price on windows. And he asked about triple glaze, because he's his father's son, and asked, oh, you don't need that. This house, you know, it's no sense putting those in, because this house, you know, it's a crappy, they didn't say crappy, but they said, you know, it's a house not very good shape. But Tim said what they failed to ask me is, what are your plans for this home? And if they'd asked me that, they would have heard that we love the property, love the property. It's half acre. He said, where else can you get half acre? He knew he bought a house that had challenges, but he knew he bought a piece of land that will last him. He said, I might be here 25, 30 years, and I'm going to do these four windows now, and I'm going to do the other six next year, and then I'm going to insulate the crawl space, and then I'm going to, and then I'm going to. He said, so I insisted that they give me a price much to their chagrin, the contractor. And he said, of course, I put in the triples and had to explain to them the $800, I think it was extra, maybe it was $1,000 extra on four windows. He said, over 30 years, that's nothing. And he said, what a shame it would be if I didn't do triples and five years from now, triples were better off and I'd have to change those one again. That doesn't make any sense. So we find ourselves, I'm more on the sales side again, my apologies, but if, if we simply asked homeowners the right questions, we could help them make better decisions, decisions that help them improve their lives. It's 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 a great point because uh, I, I mean I've had the experience myself, and it's like you know not like we're flush with money or anything, but I but I I, I find the contractors in their sales process are 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 so sensitive about about you know making sure they're not perceived as driving the price up or trying to upsell you or anything like that, and you know they're trying to get have look like they're keeping everything as close as possible to the line, and it's like well you know ask those extra questions right because you know you, it might have that sees the value. <laughs> and, and don't get me wrong, it is a challenge because I know every contractor is listening is going to say, well, people always ask about the price and they tell us our price is too high. Right. Wow. I know that's true. But frankly, why do they ask that? Because they don't know what else to ask. And they've been told, make sure you get a good price. Every one of their neighbors, make sure you get a good price. And so they, of course, ask about the price. And the easiest excuse for them to give you is, well, because your price was too high. That should be, I, I'm actually, a, I remember a great guy, worked, I won't say the name of the company, but this guy had been selling windows, as he said to me, he stood up in a meeting when this came up, and he said to me, in my experience, and selling windows for the last 44 years is that the conversation comes down to price. I have to go back home and practice my questioning and presentation in the mirror because I clearly said something wrong and didn't show the value of my products. I thought, wow, what a great experience, right? 44 years selling windows. It, if it comes down to price, that's our fault, not their fault. He's not wrong. So uh, drilling down on the windows, um, uh, you know, I, one of the, I, I remember the conversations when NRCAN first came out with its roadmap and, 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 and started coming to a lot of the industry events and talking about the, the, the targets they wanted to get to for, for uh, uh, 2030. Uh, some of those targets are, uh, you know, 0.08 new value for uh, center of glass, at least anyways, on, uh, on, a, uh, on a window. 
everybody goes, oh my God, that's going to require triples, you know, and uh, and I, I guess, and then, but then what's come out sort of since then with the, the BC step code, and then it looks like some element of that is going to be adopted across the country. Um, you know, maybe you're going to be able to get away without triples uh, on some of these, if you go down some of these performance path uh, requirements. Tell us a bit about that, Gordon, and, and, and whether everybody is going to have to be looking at triples, whether that's even a problem. Uh, and 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 how some ways you see that uh, that that maybe you can still have double designs that are going to work in these net zero buildings. Yeah, really good question. We would say that you mentioned performance path very clearly. The industry, I'm saying the North American industry, is working towards a performance path model. No longer prescriptive R20 here, R40 there. It's to really understand where the energy goes. And of course, that's highly specific, right? A townhouse has totally different heat loss characteristics than a single detached house. And and a house in Vancouver, three stories, and a house in a bungalow in in Halifax has different heat loss characteristics and different availability of solar so by all means you do path uh, you do a performance path and they're absolutely because solar panels are getting more efficient there's other options that you can now better walls better better mechanicals there absolutely will be some houses where i don't need triple glazed windows in order for it to work i'm going to get really good rationalized solar heat gain coefficients and so on but i'm going to be able to find that what what bothers me i would say is when we use that model with unintended consequences and we've we've spoken about this before so currently we we see canada still using energy ratings and that means i want high solar gain and we we feel that's naive high solar gain may mean and often means overheating problems in houses and higher air conditioning loads and the carbon impact of uh, of that is is pretty important so let's make sure we're responsible using performance path not just prescriptively saying here use this window because it's got the best energy performance but let's put it in situ uh, if you're north facing glass and 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 let's figure this let's figure out the right windows for the right application and so no doubt in my mind there will be some buildings in some parts of canada that will be able to do this with the right coding so every window supplier every window manufacturer every window salesperson is going to have to get intimately familiar with an energy modeling company such as ours building knowledge it doesn't have to be us make sure they understand the software and understand how those how that software looks at the coatings and the performance of those coatings and there's a limitation within the software that's got to get fixed too but to to use that to say okay in this house for you as a customer, based on your energy goals and based on the other performance, this is the best piece of glass for you. That's what we need to get to, as opposed to one size fits all. Some, and I'm going to say to every manufacturer, yeah, you're going to have to have triples on your list. If somebody wants to use 59% glass facing north, I've seen it, right? A house that's 59% glass facing north. At the lake, it was the lake. It was it was up in Collingwood. They wanted the view of the hill. I get that. Of course, you want that. But guess what? That means you, because you have a great view, you deserve triple glazed windows. You deserve them. It'll improve your life. The view will look all that much better because you'll be able to enjoy it without putting on a hat and two, you know, two and and oven mitts to be able to look at the view in the wintertime. So that would be my my point to your to your folks is to say, I I, always, I say this to every manufacturer, get to know 
the uh, energy advisors there's a great group called casey a casey canadian association of, of consulting energy advisors go look up get membership uh, be, become a member for that matter an associate member but get to know ones go have coffee when this thing clears up go have coffee and say hey could i just understand what would happen and and understand that the coatings in your in the case of windows the coatings make all the difference right it's really quite remarkable the change that you can see just by switching a coating and your folks will know it's a logistical issue but from a cost perspective it isn't that bad it's a it's a it's a it's a great point and 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 the one the one i wanted to come out of this a little bit because 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 you know i, I i'm hoping i'm hoping to give people some idea of you know what to think about in their business going forward in relation to all of this and, and that that to me has got to be one of the key points of advice is 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 you're gonna have to get familiar with and get uh, uh intimate with um, um, some energy modeling people and, and be able to go down these performance path compliance avenues because because honestly, you're just going to hurt yourself. If you're going to run around trying to do everything with prescriptive products, you're just going to you're going to run into these pitfalls with inspectors who don't understand how everything relates. And, 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 and you're, you're just so much better off taking this taking this route now, getting 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 familiar with it now, getting up to speed with the software now. And, and 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 being prepared so that so that you can you can take advantage of this stuff because there's just so many more options especially if you're a renovation contractor or you're doing custom homes you know and, and it's not cookie cutter stuff there's there's so many more options you can do through the performance path i see it on the commercial side all the time right and i mean these right. engineers are playing with every little component and 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 so as a as a residential builder or, or even renovator you know well i'm on my soapbox now now but i i, 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 yeah, but I that's the key piece of advice and I'm with you, Patrick, and I would just, I would agree totally. And then I would say, just be mindful and be accepting the fact that it's a tool. It's not the be all and end all. There's other decision criteria that float into this, aesthetic, so on and so on. So the, the energy modeling is not perfect. Enercan already knows they have some tweaks to make. There's not a lot of, there's not enough window choices. There's a lot of window manufacturers going, geez, they can't even put my, mom, my, my dad in correctly. So that's got to get attended to, and it will. But don't let that, don't throw up your hands and go like, oh, no sense doing it, it's all going to change. No, no. Use it as a tool to help builders and renovators to make, and homeowners to make better decisions and show them, see the impact here. Now, if you don't like the aesthetics of that window, I got another choice for you. It means you have to do something a little more here, a better water heater or something else or a little more airtight. So help them make those good decisions to meet their aesthetic needs, their life needs, and then let's meet your energy goals as well. In your experience, Gord, how... Uh... Uh, how well are the building inspectors adapting to this? Uh, like, like, are you gonna are you gonna go through a lot of red tape trying to get uh, a model accepted or? Well, certainly in, you know, I would say BC, not a problem because of their step code. Ontario, not a problem. Uh, most of the building officials, because we've had uh, a good experience with this. Uh, Alberta is pretty good at this uh, because they have now have three or four years experience with NBC. Uh, the Maritimes, to some extent, maybe because it's a, a, a little smaller market, but they've, they've adopted the NBC. There will be some provinces, uh, I would say, uh, out there on the East Coast, the Far East Coast, 
Coast, they're, they're struggling with it just a little bit. But I had a nice, long conversation with a, a local building official out in St. John's, and he was very open to the idea. He just wasn't that familiar with it. So as long as we go in it, they clearly, Patrick, you know, they're the jurisdiction having authority. And and I don't say that in, in uh, passing that off. They have a very clear responsibility. They have a responsibility to the community. So we have to be very respectful of their job. And we can't just say, believe me, trust me. No, this is, let me help you with this. Let's do some education and training. The uh, Ontario Building Officials Association has been excellent at this. You know, let's provide education training sessions. They've let me and others come in uh, to, to address the group. So offer up that training education because they do feel a little under the gun. But once, like any good people, once you educate them, they, they get it. Yeah, I, the ones I've talked to, great level of interest. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I think we'll do the work to educate themselves on all this stuff. So it's, uh, it's, uh, it's really good. Um, let's touch in uh, a little bit on, uh, on installation. Um, that that's, you know, just, I, I'm just sort of, I'm, I'm feeding back to you a lot of the, a lot of the complaints that come out of the window industry as, as these, as these things get tightened. Um, obviously you can build the best window in the world. And if it's, you know, not installed square, you're, you're going to have leaks, um, in, in, in your view. Um, and I guess, I guess performance, it, it does tie into performance path a little bit, because if you're doing a whole, if you're doing a whole building modeling, it's going to take into account the junctures between the, between the building envelope and the windows. And, yes. uh, and it's, 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 it's going to, it, it's going to have to account for, you know, this has to be in, installed in such a way and, and be tight and, and, and have membrane or whatever's needed um, to do that. Tell me about where do you, where do you see the role of having certified good installers uh, uh, doing this kind of work? Is this something the industry is really going to have to invest in? You can imagine, you know, I travel North America and see a lot of issues and, you know, I always say to builders, not too many people get, sued for thermal anomalies of window window you know the frame not being thermally um, uh, thermally isolated what you always get sued for is window leaks water leaks sometimes a little bit on air leaks you'll get some complaints and i know especially in canada it's you know we have great standards csa standards on wind and and water intrusion it's not the windows themselves that leak for the most part it's always the installation so i'm not too worried you're quite right the thermal performance, the, the framing members, pretty well looked after. And you can model better thermal performance of those windows to show how they're attached and so on. It, it To my mind, it's the, and the air tightness isn't even that big a deal because we, in Canada, we typically do inside air bears. And so even if, even if the frame, the outer, outer, um, air barrier isn't working very well we've done an inside air barrier it i, I am i'm this will sound negative i'm a little disappointed in how we install windows i i think we are on a bit of a wing and a prayer um and and we're it's going to unfortunately because windows are so important the aesthetics of us create such a a huge part of the aesthetic of a house of course people want more and bigger windows and they don't want overhangs and and they want to butt those and jut those windows out and we're at greater and greater risk than ever before even if the way you install the window for the last 30 years worked try that again on the new modern no overhang flat roof uh, method do that same patio door on the second floor ba balcony over top of the entryway the, the conditioned entryway with a with a and, and and you know those kinds of things and you'll find out oops my assistant was and not that it, here's what i get from contractors well it was just that one window leaked just one 
really? Just one window leaked. How are you sure of that? What's the only one they saw? Right. And how many else did you open up, right? And it's like an insurance policy. Do you wear your seatbelt? Yes. And, you know, our great uh, friend of ours, I would say, in the industry, Steve Kemp, would say, how lucky do you feel, right, that, that it was just one window that was leaking? And when I look at the way windows install versus the way manufacturers recommend, and every weatherization company like the DuPonts of the world recommend windows should be installed and standards should install, contractors are at risk. You know, as an example, tuck tape around a window, there's nowhere that says that's an approved product. I'm an engineer. When I go to a site, first thing I look for is the approval letters. Was their product approved for this application? Not approved for that application. Tuck tape is not a flashing. It's not a flashing, I'm sorry. And the code makes it pretty clear. Now, our codes need work, no doubt about it. They need a little cleaning up. And I think the window industry, I know sometimes the window industry manufacturers are a little reluctant. Say, well, that's not us. That's outside of the window. I would say I, I kind of need you to step up because you get blamed for it. You know you do. You get calls. And so I'm a huge fan. And whether it's window manufacturers do it or whether it's the weatherization companies do it, you know, the DuPonts of the world, I'm a huge fan as an engineer in certified, certified programs. I, if I'm a window manufacturer, I would say here's the approved products that are allowed to touch my window and here's who's allowed to install my windows. That That's me as an engineer would be my opinion. And and then if a builder says, well, I, I don't need that, I don't want that, fine, you're, you're, you're not getting the warranty. <laughs> I, I'm being pretty tough on this, but I, I think we need to step up in Canada because I see it and we know it's there. And the excuse I hear was just one, just one. It's always just one. How many of this year? You've had 200 ones, right? That's what the way they see it. They don't see it as 200 over 4,000 large builder. They see it as it happened 200 once, 200 times. Yeah, yeah. And and that and again with with the with the way the regulations are going, um, you're, uh, you're you're looking at a situation where that's going to pay to have the certified installers uh, to, to to have well at least well you know certification's a dirty word because you yeah, know, yeah. who's going to do it and let's call it accredited. I like the word accredited. Yeah, right? accredited. there you go. You know, yeah. and I like the word trained. Sure. I just like the word trained, you know, sure. I mean, and, and, and if you're, and, and if you're, you know, if you, if you, if you take the time and make the, you know, whatever investment it is to, to, to train the people up, you're going to, in the new regime, you're going to see that out the other end. Maybe in the past you didn't, but, 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 but in the new regimes, you're going to see that out the other end because of the things you're going to be able to do again with performance path building and right. performance path uh, uh, compliance. You're you're gonna you're gonna see that that those benefits on the other side when your guys are doing things right. And, and you know my my view is, and again I'll take from another son. I said Andrew, he he used to work for Frito Lay making potato chips. He was on he was you know one of the logistics guys. And I said, how do you guys view training? He goes, well, it's ongoing. He said you train them, and then you find that three months later, the fryer's not at the right temperature and the seasoning's putting out too much. And you realize every three months, it's just human nature. People forget, and on a humid day they touch the dial a little bit and then they forgot to put it back down again and so on. He said so. 
we find ourselves, because I hear this in the industry all the time, with the, they just won't do it right. They, they stop doing it. They, it. No, no. You train them once, accredit them. That's why I like the word accredited. So if they're trained and they've signed this piece of paper, and I've signed a piece of paper saying they were trained on this day. But then to imagine 20 years from now, they don't need to be trained again. No, no, no. And our experience has been, I can say categorically in air tightness, for example, if we're not doing training on site every three months, magically, and it's not a lot of training, it's 10 minutes. Just touch guys up, remember this beat goes here, that beat goes there, remember this. Why? It's just human behavior. People, it's not that they don't care. I, people say contractors don't care. Every one of them cares. Every contractor I've ever met, I love, I'll say this, I meet about 4,000 contractors a year. Every contractor I've ever met thinks they're better than every other contractor I've ever met. And I love that about the industry. That means they take great pride in their work. I think that's a, an amazing attribute. I love that. I'm so proud of that. But what that means is the contractors who are making mistakes, they're making not because they don't care, they're making because they just don't know. And my experience has been, if you show them how to do it on a regular basis, they will do it that way. It's, I gotta say, I've been doing training for 35 years. It's always been my experience. And you know, I can tell you that same builder, Gene Myers, he sends all of his, every training session I do within three hours drive of Denver, Colorado, there's always 20 to 30 Thrive Community contractors, people there, because he makes them, not makes them, enables them, and he pays them properly and so on to take that training, his trade contractors and his staff, and he encourages them and powers them to go to training. So builders have to step up, manufacturers have to step up, and individual contractors have to step up and remind themselves, yeah, I took that training a year ago, I may have forgotten some, and I better go back. Solid tips, solid tips. Uh, give me a solid tip on this one. Uh, sliding glass doors. Um, can these be made to work uh, in a net zero concept, uh, or are the sliding glass guys in big trouble? No, I, I actually think this lot, I mean, certainly the triples are heavier, but uh, we just did a cottage with great big uh, triple glazed sliders, and I think they're amazing because they are airtight, because they're quiet, uh, because they're heavier, frankly, the manufacturers do a little better job of hardware uh, and rollers, so they actually work pretty nicely. I, I think it's imperative that we get to better performance. And I think the tech, my opinion is, the technology's already there. What we struggle with is the center opening garden doors from an air leakage perspective. So do patio doors leak more air than others? Yes, sure, than, than say casements and so on. But we, I've met, um, in, in my case, air tightness levels that were, um, well, a third the level of our 2000, that is three times tighter than our 2000 houses with eight patio doors, sorry, five patio doors in my house. So I know we can meet these. I can know we can meet the air tightness. I know they can actually contribute. And let's be really clear, go to the cottage family videos, buildingnotes.ca, uh, cottage, uh, cook family cottage videos. And uh, you know, it's three brothers and I that are building this cottage and the families, let me tell you, if I suggested to them that we weren't gonna have eight foot sliding patio doors, we wouldn't have built the house, right? They, it's looking at the lake, it's over the lake. And yes, I gotta say, that strong wind, you know, in the wintertime, comical winds coming from Michigan across the Lake Huron. And do the windows whistle a little bit? Yeah, they do. And yeah. could they be a little better? Yeah, but it met the net zero requirements and then some, so we were in good shape. So I wouldn't be discouraged, you can do it. 
I don't know what you'd have to do to stop a window from whistling when you're looking right over Lake Huron. That's uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, the winds are comical. I mean, nothing. But I will say, way better than the center open garden doors that are really struggle. Yep, that's 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 right. Actually, that's yeah, that's that's definitely that's definitely the case there. So, um, staying on the 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 whole building energy performance uh, uh, thing, um, break it in your opinion. Um, what's really giving you the best bang for your buck in 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 the in the whole in the whole picture? Is it windows, HVAC upgrades, insulation, smart power? Where where's the real? Where, I guess if you can rank them, like where where's the where's the uh, where's the real benefit coming from in those things? Yeah, and the short answer is yes. In other words, yeah, all of those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but the longer answer is the energy model tells you how big the pie is and where the pieces of the pie are going. And two things that I would put here. One is the energy, and two is the impact on, let's call it the other attributes, because we would never want to compromise energy, sorry, uh, health, safety, durability, or comfort for energy efficiency. That's the, if I could say to you the biggest advancement between the energy research, building science research we've done in the 70s, and what we're implementing today, is it's no compromise. That is, in the 70s, we built some really energy efficient houses that were neither healthy, safe, nor durable. Now we wouldn't let that happen. So when I say this order, you need to understand it's for two reasons, energy and building science reasons. The first one is, Get your air tightness under control. One, it's the single most cost-effective thing you can do. It has the biggest bang for buck in terms of gigajoules of energy saved. But from a building science perspective, it means no warm, moist air getting into cold cavities, so no condensation. It means no dust, no noise, no bugs. It means uh, less condensation inside a cavity. I think I already mentioned that one. So it's got lots of check marks from a building science perspective. Um, next on the list, it, it, we would say better basements. Why again? Because people are now using basements, so either don't do basements, or if you are going to do basements, do them well. Because people are trying to use them as living space, and it's really hard to live in holes in the ground, right? We got out of caves about 40,000 years ago because they weren't very comfortable. And now we want people living back in caves, and it's not good. So we have to do not only better, more insulation, but better location of, of, of that, um, of that um uh, insulation to make sure they're warm, dry, bright, and healthy. I, I think you can make a case, then you go to windows. Why? And I would say the building science reason is, or the, the overall reason is because it's such a big part of the aesthetics of the house. It's so emotional. Windows are so emotional that you can actually go ahead and say, let's get those windows done. Let's get to the triples. Let's get to the right coatings. Again, Comfort levels, summer, winter, that right balance, less condensation, those become the secondary reasons. The big one that they have to get to, but it's tough to get to, is the walls. I got to get to thicker walls. So the window is one phone call, right? I got to phone the window manufacturer. Basement, that's a couple phone calls. Air tightness in today's world is one phone call. New technology, aero barrier, great new technology. Make a phone call, every house is under one air change. Done. I don't know if you know of that technology. Have your folks look it up. I have a vested interest in it. it was, I thought it was such amazing technology, I brought it to Canada. But that said, air tightness is kind of one phone call. Walls, eh, thicker walls is tougher. I got to get there five years from now, but it's easier to do windows than it is to do walls. And as long as your walls are already airtight, 
I can I, I don't necessarily have to do the insulation on the outside or double wall some would still do double wall which is fine or SIPs or ICF somebody's gonna say why not ICFs of course ICF but those are tougher conversations right it's more trades involved I, I got to change the design of the building because the wall just got thicker it's a process process change because if I'm doing ICF geez I gotta be pre-planned so walls are tougher so in the meantime air tightness get your basement done get a good basement that's livable get your windows done and that gives you two three years to think about and get the walls under your belt there you go there you go good stuff uh you mentioned exterior insulation um and i was thinking about that before when we were talking about uh installation and some of the challenges that uh you know you have if, you, if your installers don't know what they're doing or of or of you know have not been retrained and are, and are not up yeah. to speed, right um do you, you know, the, the exterior thing is getting more popular. I, I, you know, more, 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 more contractors are using it, uh, especially anybody, you know, I, I think most people who are trying to approach these net zero things now are, 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 are usually going into that. Where do you see, do you see that as, as, as being, do you see that as being necessary under the new regimes? Is, is that just going to be the new way that we insulate buildings? Yeah, it's a great question, and, and it's the one we get called. Say it's it's the biggest decision point when we do building science training. We spend a lot of time on the walls because there's a lot of angst. And what about what about what about? One of them is how do I attach the windows? And I'm going to say to certainly your window folks and your contractors, yeah, think about that right now. So where do I want that? If I'm using insulated sheeting or if I'm using double wall, where do I want that window to be? In a Canadian context, we kind of like the window a little bit to the inside, right, to keep the glass warmer, but that means my weatherization if i'm doing double wall where does my weatherization go uh, water resistant barrier if i'm doing uh, an insulated sheeting foam rock wool whatever if i'm putting the window in do i have to set all that weatherization products flashing products in or do i do the water resistant barrier in the same plane as the window which we would always say put it on first and then put the insulated sheeting Oh, but that's a process change because my framers were going to do the insulated sheathing, but now you got to tell me they got to go do the water resistant barrier first and then put on the insulated sheathing so I can't do that while the wall's on the ground, that kind of thing. So it, it, it's absolutely a process change. I, I will encourage um, my partners and I in the U.S., Construction Instruction, constructioninstruction.com. We've drawn animations, not me, but Justin has had these amazing animations drawn of how various window configurations. There's at least 50 different animations of different ways of installing windows, foam in, foam out, rock wool, weather, water resistant bearer in, out, so on and so on. And it's all in animated format. Go download them, go to the website. It's a free app, frankly. It's all free, free app. Many of them sponsored by uh, water resistant barrier companies. You will know the names and looking for details, but you need to pick one. So I would say there's kind of three approved three i would say practical doable methods pick one and train to it stick to it these are the materials you got to use do it but window manufacturers doing a flange window boy if i'm going to put that flange window to the inside then do i need jam extensions to the outside or do i have to have something that's accepting of do i have to change the flange location and the answer is please like help with this give us some details that allows builders to go i want an innie or i want an Audi. I'm, or, or tell me is it okay to nail through can i use the nailing flange sorry the, the flange as a nailing fin some would say yes some would say no just make it really clear and if i have a nailing fin can i 
uh, attach it through foam and how much foam or how much rock wool can I attach it through? So the industry is going to need answers and there's going to be, you know, it's going to go to double wall or it's going to go to insulated sheathing. I, I don't think we see a magic bullet of some new insulating product that's going to mean you don't have to go to a thicker wall. You're going to have to get to a thicker wall. So you're going to do SIP, structural insulated panels, or ICF, or double wall, or a standard framed wall with insulated sheathing. That, that's what you're going to be at. You solve a lot of problems with double wall. I, I would think that like that's been a good solution in a lot of commercial stuff is is uh, you probably do right i, I mean because you can do some uh you can do some air balancing there uh some pressure balancing so that uh you, you you're 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 not getting a lot of transmission through to the inside. Sure. Uh, yeah there are some there are some challenges obviously it, it, and again it just comes down to process and logistics again i'll just quote my good buddy gene myers at thrive community i said why, why do you do double wall he says well here's what i've learned Framers are really important, hard to find, hard to get. When you tell them to do something new or different, they balk at it. He said, so here's what I've told them. You're good at building two by fours, right? Two by four walls, right? And he goes, they say yes, then just build me two of them. So you know, he just, that's the way he likes to do it, is just uh, do one and then do another one. And he said, that's easier right now. He said, someday I may be switching to another system, but right now because the market's so busy, framers so, and you will know what the price of lumber it is today, the day they're listening to this. A year from now, maybe the price of lumber isn't going to be an issue. If this is being recorded and they listen to it 10 years from now, they'll be laughing and saying, what do you mean wood's, wood's scarce? Or maybe maybe there is no wood and nobody's going to do any of these. But, but right now, I would say you, you have to, certainly window manufacturers and contractors have to be ready to investigate I'm going to say those four strategies. I don't think I'm missing any of them. And of course, there's variations in those. Is it foam? Is it rock wool? What is it? Is it thermal fiber? What manufacturer am I using uh, if I'm using an exterior sheathing? Or I'm going to be doing ICF or or I'm going to be doing um, a SIPS or, or double wall. So uh, pick the one you, you like. And I hear this all the time, which one's more expensive? Again, builders tend to choose what's simplest. And then they convince themselves that it's cheaper. Let's be really clear. My experience has been whatever they they perceive as some, and I don't say that as a negative. I know it's a very difficult business, very challenging business. Remodel is even more difficult. So it's a challenging business. So of course you tend to gravitate towards things that are simpler. Yeah, yeah. Well, and simpler can be cheaper. You know, yes. We, um, uh, one one thing we haven't got into too much is uh, is is the likely impact on HVAC systems uh, uh, when 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 you're trying to build net zero. Do you uh, do, do you see this driving prices up, demand for high efficiency HVAC up, uh, or do you see this as being uh, something where they're going to improve the building envelope so much that uh, you can do something less? Well, the, the good news is certainly the equipment gets smaller, which means the ductwork gets smaller if you're doing forced air. In fact, in some cases, you're going to say, I don't need, why do I need forced air anymore? Why don't I just do a collection of mini splits? So there's going to be, again, two or three strategies that will come to the fore in HVAC. All of them will be smaller capacity, which you go, that's going to be some savings. Yes. But at the same time, remember, meeting the expectations of consumers. 
that we have to maintain comfort. And guess what? In high-performance, energy-efficient houses, their expectations for comfort goes up, not down. They don't want to wear slippers anymore. They wore slippers for 50 years in the century-old farmhouse, and now they're going, I thought about an energy-efficient house. I better have warm floors, and I better have, and I want infant control. So the cost of HVAC is not going to go, my opinion, is not going to go down much, but it's going to get easier to install. Controls are going to be a big deal. Um, and then the the issue really is um, electrification. That's the word to watch. That the, we're starting to realize, do I really need to light a blue flame at, what is it, 1,600 degrees Celsius to heat a house to 20 degrees Celsius? Why aren't I using a technology that is more... Um, more responsible environmentally and as long as you're in an area where your electrical grid is fairly green so if you've got nuke or if you've got hydro you would say i want you to be electric heat california is going there vancouver's going there and frankly it's really hard to overlook the efficiency of a heat pump the best gas furnace you can buy is 98 percent and you're still going to put it in but that because it during the coldest of weather it's really inexpensive fuel but on the mild weather you're going to go the heat pump's 300 percent efficient so i'm going to want both i'm going to want a gas furnace for the really cold days where it's inexpensive to operate and i'm going to want a heat pump because i'm going to be making my own electricity so now the price of electricity doesn't bother me people say well electric heat's expensive not when you're making your own so as you get closer and closer to zero energy you're going to want electric heating sources, but you probably, you end up typically backing them up with gas just to get your peak loads and longer showers and so on. Yeah, yeah. But oh, wow, the return of electric, that would be, at least here, yeah. in, that here in Southern Ontario, that would be something different. Yeah, yeah. It, it's shocking, right? I, I remember a subdivision of 86 houses where they put in heat pumps and there was almost lawsuits over, oh my God, my bill's really high. That was 30 years ago. And now we would say, we're going to go back to that, but you're going to use it. And they're working on the controls that would say, right now it's warm enough and it's the right time of day. I'm going to have you run the heat pump because it's 300% efficient. And then at night it's really cold or maybe during the day and it's really cold. I'm going to run you have the gas furnace and you're going to find a way to optimize the cost and the carbon footprint, right? Because the heat pump has a much lower carbon footprint than a gas furnace. Okay. So I want to use it some of the time, even if it's not all the time. Huh. Lord, we're over time, but I I, I, I do want to hit the electric. I, I want to hit the electrification uh, thing quickly before we go. Um, the uh, uh, obviously, as we talked briefly earlier, um, the the idea with net zero is that you're going to be generating some energy in your house. Um, um, solar panels, I. I still don't know how these are feasible in Canada with 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 the gray skies that we get and with snow getting on them. Um, maybe maybe I just don't know what I'm talking about. Um, and but but I mean, is 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 the solar panel thing going to be um, really very common? And then people are going to have to have battery storage in their house, like one of those Tesla things or something, right. uh, in their houses. Is this the idea? Well, the idea is this, and it, it, there's a big what if to that, or a big if to this, is take, again, the, the family cottage. My brothers are like, I thought you said this was going to be on solar, because we started the house up, first occupied it in November. There ain't no solar in November in Southampton. And so we generated very little through to end of April. But right now, 
it's cooking. We're making way more energy than we need. So could I ever make a big enough battery on my own? No. Do we have a battery? Yes, for power outages and so on. And we try to use as much as we can. At night, the battery discharges, charges up again. The key is the grid becoming the battery. So the promise is that I give that power to um, uh, Sogging Shores Electrical Utility all summer long, and they store it for me in their grid. In other words, other people buy it, and they give it back to me in the winter. So that's called net metering. So sometimes it's net metering, sometimes it's battery storage. Und undoubtedly, someday this will all progress because my neighbor's going to go, could I buy some of your power in the summertime? Will you sell it? to? There'll be microgrids. But so the premise is right now, you use that grid as the storage. And you're going to, is that fair? And the utility's going to go, wait a minute. We still got to pay for the transformers. We still got to pay for the maintenance of the lines. I'm not going to buy that at the same rate that I sell it to you at. So they're going to, they're not going to buy it back at the same rate. Um, but so I get to use whatever I can use using the solar battery, the, the Tesla battery. I sell back to the grid at some rate. And the good news is solar is coincident with our peaks in most of Canada. That is our peak electrical use is the hottest day in July at five o'clock which happens to be when houses are generating solar. Now, fast forward to Phoenix. Phoenix has way too many people using solar right now. So they're saying, I don't want your solar. We don't need it anymore. So they are looking for ways, where could I dump this? Could I pump water up a, street, up a hill and use it later? You know, those kinds of techniques. Can I turn it into thermal and so on? But for the short term, at least, and the foreseeable future, Solar on roofs is never going to be enough to look after uh, everything. So, and and we that solar is coincident with peak. So it's a legitimate thing for utility to go. Yeah, I'll take that power. I can use it. I can use it in the summer, and then we'll sell it back to you in the winter. Cool, cool. Gord, great conversation. That was fun. You, uh, that, that 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 tickled my engineering interest for sure, and mm -hmm. uh, hopefully uh, hopefully everybody listening. So uh, listen, I want to I want to say uh, thanks so much for joining us, uh, uh, Gord Cook, Building Knowledge. Looked them up. Where where can people get a hold of you, Gord? So buildingknowledge.ca. I mentioned constructioninstruction.com. That's the U.S. animations. But the website here is buildingknowledge.ca, or and just add Gord C to that. Gord C at buildingknowledge.ca if they're interested. And and thank you very much for the opportunity. You can tell we're pretty passionate about this stuff. If there's folks out there that have more questions, we'd love to engage in education and add questions. And you had some great ones today, but I'm sure that spurs others. So if I can help, let me know. Fantastic. Thanks a lot, Gord. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Fenestration Conversation is a presentation of Fenestration Review Magazine and Annex Business Media.